You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. We have another exciting episode this week when we go back to the movies to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. And so, starting off, he is the guy that absolutely loves Skeletor. He is uh, a man who can talk in nothing but Star Wars quotes while watching uh, (laughs) Japanese television. <laughs> and that is my friend Anthony. How are you doing, Anthony? Oh man, I, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I, I, I'm getting a lot of mileage out of that time that we watched Shadow Warriors together and talked about it in nothing but Star Wars quotes, but uh, it was good times. Uh, that was a great time. <laughs> so, uh, what's uh, new and exciting that's happened to you since the last time you were on the podcast? Uh, let's see. The last time I was on here, uh, I've moved, and really, that's all that's new and exciting. Oh, okay. I live a very boring life. <laughs> it's okay, I understand. Uh, my life's not too different, so I, I get it. Um, people ask me about like what's going on, I'm like, uh, I get up, I edit a podcast, I read, <laughs> do stuff with the kids, <laughs> you know. Wake up, go to work, come home, do it again the next day. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, anyway, but uh, it's good to have you back on, Anthony. Oh, thank you. And uh, next up, we have someone who is brand new to our... In fact, we're going to have two brand new people to our podcast. Um, But the first up is someone that I met while uh, online talking uh, on Facebook, actually, um, debating some aspects of the greater Star Wars universe. And uh, she is someone that I have heard on the Earth Station One podcast, and that is Ashley Pauls. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing great and super excited to... To talk with you guys. I love Star Wars, so I'm always game to talk about the movies. And I remember our conversation about some of the things we thought may or may not happen in The Last Jedi, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to kind of delve into some of those tonight. All right, yeah. So since this is your first time on the podcast, Ashley, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. Um, I kind of got my start podcasting with the uh, ESO guys. They reached out to me, and I started blogging for them, writing movie reviews, and then they eventually asked if I would want to be on the podcast. I was absolutely terrified the first time, but now I'm a huge fan and I love podcasting. I like all sorts of geek things, but my favorite two things are Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So... Those are my favorite things to chat about. I, I can tell we're going to be great friends, Ashley. So the, I, anybody, if they say they like Star Wars and Marvel, it's like we've got stuff to talk about. That's so. right. <laughs> Those are two of my favorite things also. Well, so. excellent. Well, you have excellent taste. Oh, thank you. You too. You too. All right. Well, it's great to have you on, Ashley. 
Well, thank you. You're welcome. And next up is someone that even though she and I were associated with the same podcast for many years, uh, I don't think we ever actually were on a podcast together. And that is someone who is a, uh, she's a cosplayer. She is a cunning knitter. And that is Juliet Vincent. How are you doing, Juliet? <laughs> doing okay. How are you? I am doing okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't think we were ever in the same podcast. All we've ever done is just chat through Facebook on the podcast pages. Right. Right, exactly, and uh, and so yeah, that was. Uh, I, I remember, you know, that uh, you know you were a Star Wars fan, and I remembered that uh, you know that you liked uh, uh, knitting the uh, the Firefly uh, cunning hats, quote unquote. So there's no <laughs> trademark infringement. Exactly. <laughs> Mentioning what you know, <laughs> whose hat, hat it was. Not be named. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, besides that, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, Juliet? Well, um, I'm, as you said, a giant nerd. I'm actually sitting in a library with my entire Star Wars book collection behind me and my Discworld collection on another side. And uh, I put that to good use in certain ways. I'm actually on the board of a nonprofit organization now, which we just started this year. It's kind of scary. So, yeah, board games and getting geeks together to give us money to give to sick kids. Oh, okay, nice. That is very cool. So, um, besides Star Wars, what are some of your favorite fandoms? Oh, good lord. Star Trek, Discworld, Harry Potter, you name it, it's probably up there on my shelf right now. Um, <laughs> Terminator, I do have a lovely Terminator tattoo on my wrist, and I recently got into the Supernatural fandom this year. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's 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 a lot of shows, <laughs> or a lot of series, I should say. Um, but, uh, alright, so good to have you on the show. And so next up is our brand new segment, which is Five Minute Controversies. And this is the segment that replaced the five questions segment that we used to have because the five questions was taking longer and longer and it was sort of missing its purpose, which was to just get us kind of loosened up before we talk about the topic. And so this week, what I thought might be an interesting thing, because I am one of those people who's still bitter about the uh, old Star Wars EU and and uh, how it's now rechristened the Legends timeline. Um, I uh, I was I wanted to ask everybody: When does a series get so big that it needs to be rebooted? So, um, start off, um, Ashley. What what are your thoughts about uh, rebooting? Well, um, it's interesting that you brought up the Star Wars expanding universe because that was something I was originally really bummed when Disney kind of wiped the slate and said everything is now non-canon. Mm -hmm. But eventually, as I thought about it, as much as I liked some of those storylines, some of the novels were kind of venturing out into getting into kind of some weird territory, and I'm not sure where they would have fully taken that in the future. So as sad as it is to see some of that great material now on canon, I think it was maybe starting to get to the point where it's getting kind of unruly. Where are you going to take the story in the future? How long can you keep taking Han, Luke, and Leia out into the future before they eventually have to die or you have to go beyond them? So I have no idea where the expanded universe would have gone if Disney had not purchased the franchise, but um, it is kind of nice to see them taking the story in some new directions now that they have a little more freedom. Hmm. So in general, though, I mean, what what are your thoughts about, I mean, because I, although I gave Legends as the um, you know, as the, the example, uh, what you know, where would you see that in general for a franchise? Is it any point where you just feel like 
you know, the, all the stories have tapped out or what do you think? Yeah, I think the good idea is to always end on a high note. Like, um, don't wait until that moment where all the stories are tapped out. Leave people satisfied, but wanting just a little bit more. And I think that's a hard point to find because it's so easy to trip over. Oh, we've kind of run this into the ground, but ending at a good time so that people are satisfied, but yet um, not just like people are ready to jump off the wagon at the end. So what about you, Juliet? Do you agree? Sort of. The, uh, The loss of the EU is also very much a sore point for me, even now. Um... I don't know, it's just, I realize that the, the EU got so big and people have to die eventually. Jedi can't live forever, especially if they're human. But I'm okay with having the universe be out there and exploring those other characters. And I always loved those things, like the tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina and all of those books that took characters we saw for all of two seconds and ran wild with them and gave them stories and made it canon. I loved that. It was one of the greatest things about it for me. So when, you know, Disney bought it and they threw it out, I'm just like, okay, I'm not okay with this at all whatsoever. And I decided I'd give the new canon a chance and it's failing me miserably except for the new Thrawn book. Everything else has just disappointed Hmm. me completely. Yeah, I mean, and and I'm going to agree with you about the fact that with the EU, one of the really cool things was because it was an expanded universe and they did try to make sure that it was all connected, kind of like in the way that Marvel's doing right now with the MCU. It it was something where one writer might do something with a character and another writer was like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. Let me pick up this character and do something with that or let me insert, you know, uh, another good example is I, Jedi, where, you know, um, Corrin is... uh, uh, is is inserted into the story from Jedi Academy trilogy because there's enough wiggle room there because they never name every Jedi that was there uh, or every student that was there. So uh, well, you know, even they can the do Republic, that. even the Republic Commando books were mm-hmm. very similar. You know, they were based off of a game, but there was already a character set. What was it in the Legacy of the Force? Mm-hmm part of the series um that we all were curious about his parentage and it turns out that the they we, they went ahead and explored that in books set right after episode two mm-hmm. but they i just love the fact that they did that and the world was big enough for that so is there ever a point in any series where you feel like a reboot is necessary i'm firmly against reboots okay. <laughs> i'm a terrible person <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm kind of of the same mindset. I mean, there's certainly been franchises where I think it's worked for them. Um, you know, and there's some where it's more baked into the DNA. I mean, James Bond reinvents itself, you know, every, you know, decade or so. Um, you know, and there's a new canon, I think, with the Daniel Craig stuff. Like, James Bond has really come into its own. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, in general, a lot of the series that I grew you know, like Star Trek, Star Wars, I always have the knee-jerk reaction to, you know, rebooting. Why would you ever reboot this? This is wonderful, you know? <laughs> so, so Ashley, do you have any any comments uh, on top of what Juliet was saying? It's, it's always a complicated issue for me, I would say. It's hard. I think sometimes you do, you really do have to come to a point where you reboot it and give a fresh start because you've, it's gotten complicated and big, but it is really hard emotionally sometimes to let go and then 
it's hard not to compare to the things you've seen before. So I think it's real tricky. Reboots can be done well, but it's got to be done very carefully. Yeah, and that's one of the problems, too, is, you know, a lot of times reboots are done for accessibility. Um, You know, there are people coming into this fandom. They don't necessarily want to wade through, um, you know, established material. There might be too much to read or watch or whatever. I've always been of the mindset that, 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 you know, that's not as big as a problem as people think it is. Um, You know, I mean, I certainly, I mean, coming in, I was born in 1980 and, like, say, even, like, Marvel Comics that had had 30 years established continuity by the point um, I got into comics. You know, it didn't bother me that that things extended back 30 years because usually the storylines were easy enough to get into that you knew it was happening right now. And if you wanted to read about stuff that had happened before, there was enough stuff that they had put out there to sort of get you caught up on the major events and things with characters that, you know, you could get up to speed. Um, so I, it's, it's one of those things I struggle with just because I'm not sure it's as big an issue and that the reboot isn't as necessary for that accessibility issue as people say it is. But yeah, I mean, aside from accessibility, I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, things uh, getting tapped out story-wise. Are there any other reasons why you think a a reboot would be necessary? Well, one thing that I think can be kind of good, too, is like, even if you don't like the reboot, you still have that original storyline intact. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I always tell people, even if you hate, hate, hate the new Star Wars movies, you will still have the original Star Wars canon preserved. They're not going to mess with those characters. They're not going to retcon it. It is, it exists now. So sometimes it's nice, like even if you, or maybe you might like the reboot better than the original. So it's nice that people can kind of find what they like within that and can kind of find their own take on it. And they don't necessarily, the two timelines or versions don't affect each other. Yeah, and I mean, that's sort of where I'm coming at from it, because I never read all of the old EU, but I'm doing it now, especially now. I don't know, it seems easier now in one way, because there isn't, like, more material being written for it. No no cliffhangers, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, I can just read this whole thing from beginning to end, and, you know, I can finally, you know, see the whole thing. Because, I mean, even though I love reading... Um, you know, my life such as it is now, I don't get a lot of time for it. And so that was the part that was daunting for me. It was just, you know, having the time to read all the things. So uh, in a way, that sort of made me a little happy just because it means that I can finally, like, get my hands wrapped around it. Um, but I know when I get to the end, I'm going to be like, man, I wish that there was still new content in this universe. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And I'm certainly not... Uh, and we'll get into this later. I'm not against the new movies because I'm enjoying them, but um, there are there there's knee jerk reactions I have like, man, I really wish Mara Jade was in this, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big one. That's the big one that I really wish had been sort of held over. But oh well. Um, any last thoughts? So for the record, I still wear my Mara Jade costume to every Star Wars movie opening. I even wore it for this That's episode. That's awesome. There we go. <laughs> that is Keep great. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he brought back Thrawn. He's, he's yes. now part of the new canon. You never know. Yep, I, I understand. It's just, uh, it, it will have to be different. Even if they brought Mara Jade in, because too many things are different in this version. But uh, yeah. But anyway, Ashley, uh, any final thoughts? I think that kind of covers it for me. All right. Um, so we lost Anthony. In case anyone is wondering, um, 
I'm not sure what's going on there. He he said his connection was uh, it was cutting out, so uh, I'm not sure if we're getting him back. But uh, after this break, we'll <laughs> find out where we uh, uh, will play a promo from another fine podcast. Do you enjoy pop culture? Of course you do. You're already listening to pop culture podcasts here on the ESO Network. The Rusted Robot Podcast discusses movies, trailers, TV shows, space and robot news, and so much more. Won't you please join us for a pop culture overload wherever you listen to podcasts. TheRustedRobot.Podbean.com, a proud partner of the Soul Forge Podcast here on the ESO Network. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. And we're back. And as we said at the top of the show, we are talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is, uh, well, if you've been under a rock, (laughs) for those of you who have been under a rock, it's the latest Star Wars movie, which uh, made $1 billion worldwide uh, just before uh, the end of the year. Um, So it is uh, well on track to being one of the super huge mega blockbusters of all time, as all the Star Wars movies have been. Um, But uh, so before we get started talking about the movie itself, we did, uh, in the previous segment, talk a little bit about our Star Wars backgrounds, but I did want to ask both uh, Juliet and Ashley about how you got into Star Wars and what your rankings of the movies are, not counting The Last Jedi, because we haven't talked about it yet. So, Juliet, why don't we start with you? Oh, good Lord. Um, I... I vaguely remember watching Return of the Jedi when I was really little. I don't think that my mom seeing Empire while pregnant with me counts as me starting into <laughs> Star Wars. But she did. Mm. Um, but I, my, I think somewhere around the sixth grade was where my mom finally got to introduce me to all of them and I got hooked. So I've been a fan probably since I was about 10 years old. And uh, I hate trying to rank my favorite movies. I really okay. do. Because they're... <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to put the prequels down at the bottom. I'm one of the prequel haters. I admit it. And they probably rank somewhere around two being the lowest, one being right above it, and then three is a little bit better than that. And two's the lowest because I simply do not appreciate Django Fett whatsoever. <laughs> oh, Juliet, you are you are speaking my language here. <laughs> Well, and, you know, you also got to count all of that awful, atrocious dialogue between Anakin and Padme. Oh, gosh, no, yeah. (laughs) Sand, yeah, sand. (laughs) You're not like the sand. (sighs) Yeah. But honestly, I think the other, you know, the original saga, Rogue One and uh, Force Awakens all occupy a giant, huge space right up there in my heart altogether. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ashley, what about you? Well, I too have been a long time a Star Wars fan. Um, grew up, my dad really loves science fiction. I think he's a little bit disappointed. He's a Star Trek guy, so mm. he's a little bit sad that I picked Star Wars, but <laughs> I, I still love Star Trek too, so I'm not completely lost. But um, just grew up loving the characters, the movies. Um, Empire Strikes Back is not only my favorite Star Wars film, it's my favorite movie of all time. So this is a series that's near and dear to my heart. Of course, I'd rank Empire first, probably followed by Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, A New Hope, and then um, Revenge of the Sith. 
um, the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, just the, the Anakin Padme romance makes me want to stab myself in the eye every time I watch it. So it, I just I just can't. So at least episode one has pod racing, which I enjoyed. So that in Darth Maul. So that gets a little bit higher ranking, at least. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> I, I think it's great that you guys agree with me about uh, episode two because that is a little that is a little controversial. Some people don't put it at the very bottom, but uh, yeah, I completely agree with all of that. It's and the crazy thing is, and this is something that's funny from reading the expanded universe stuff because you know I'm reading it in chronological order for the universe, which isn't the order it was written in, and so it's interesting to see like the stuff that was written before the prequels, where like Jedi get married, and you know it's not weird, and you know all this stuff, and then. It's suddenly after the prequels where it's like oh yeah jedi you know no love you know we're not allowed to do that all this kind of stuff i'm like but this these stories take place in the same time period you know it's, it's like, like oops yeah exactly and, and and i really feel like there was no reason for lucas to add that as part of the jedi like mythos um it just created this horrific faux drama you know in in the story that that we could have really done without um I've always been a big believer in the idea that, you know, the one great line they had in episode two for Anakin was the whole thing about, you know, if people don't listen, we should make them listen. And it's like, that's what you should have capitalized for his, like, slippery slope to Darth Vader. Not like this whole thing of, I'm in love, but I'm not allowed to love, and oh, she might die. It's like, oh. Anyway. <laughs> this isn't a prequel podcast, though, but I just wanted to get my two cents in there about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, Star Wars has always been a part of my life. I don't remember a point when I didn't see Star Wars. Um, it was something that when uh, I was coming home from school every day, I always used to ask my mom to put on Star Wars. And eventually she got, like, sick of it but and, and coined the phrase, we're all Star Wars'd out. Um, but uh, we did. We had an off-air copy of uh, the original Star Wars that uh, I probably wore out the tape. I have no idea what happened to it. But um, I watched nonstop and, uh, of course, got really excited when I finally got my chance to watch Empire and Jedi when we rented those from the uh, local rental place and um, I got into the EU right away with the Timothy Zahn books but as I got older and as I got to college and my time started getting eaten up I sort of fell off the EU bandwagon and then when the prequels came out you know it kind of like it kind of froze my love of Star Wars for a while and uh, the new movies uh, is, is what really brought it back because um, even though it's a new timeline I you know it reminded me of why I love this franchise so much um and so it kind of gave me that desire to go back and and read all that stuff that i'd started reading before so um that's uh that's where i fall with that and um for the rankings uh i i think my list is kind of similar to ashley's it's uh, empire then uh return then force awakens then a new hope rogue one i think is up there with those uh with the the original three movies as well as force awakens but for me i felt like it didn't I didn't connect as well with the characters as I should have, which is why I kind of put it below those, but above the prequels. And um, then uh, my <laughs> my other controversial choice is I I prefer the Phantom Menace to the other prequels just because I felt like there was still hope. You know, that's that's where I'm coming from on that one. But uh, definitely, yeah, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith above Attack of the Clones for sure, um, because yeah, the the whole thing, the whole romance. 
Oh, and Django Fett. Uh, oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for years we all speculated about the glory of Boba Fett and just find out that he comes from that. Oh, let's not even comment about the fact that the EU built an entire backstory for Boba Fett and Attack of the Clones retconned it. Mm -hmm. It was canon, and then they did that, and that's my hatred. Do you realize that with the special edition DVDs and everything, that after the prequels came out, they went back and they redubbed Boba Fett's lines with the actor who plays Django? I know that. That's one of the reasons why I will never watch special editions ever again. The other one that I find completely egregious in the special editions is when they redid the Emperor's dialogue from The Empire Strikes Back yes. and changed it to be, you know, because in the, in the original version of The Empire Strikes Back, kids, uh, Vader knew that Luke was his kid. And in the revised version of The Empire Strikes Back, it isn't until he talks to the Emperor that the Emperor tells, because, you know, with Revenge of the Sith, you know, he thought he killed Padme before she gave birth. Um, and so that was a sort of a changed story idea. And so they had to go back and fix it and be like, oh, yeah, Vader should be like, what? I have kids, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. I like that they have Ian McDermott as the as the Emperor. I just don't like that they changed the dialogue. Um, so even though I do like some aspects of the special edition and some of the things they put in, there are so many things that they made worse, I think, that I just watched. I have the original three movies on DVD um, from the one time they released them, um, where they weren't... Same here. Yeah, they weren't uh, improved in any way, like the picture quality is VHS quality, but they did release them on DVD one time, so that's what I have, and that's what I watch. Um, but, anyway. <sighs> Disney, please, now that you're going to own Fox, just, uh, <laughs> you know, release the original editions on Blu-ray. <laughs> that's they all we want. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. It's like, it's just money just waiting to be had, because everybody would prefer that. Like, 90-something percent of Star Wars fans who have already bought the Blu-rays will go out again and buy those as well. So it's just money that you can have in your pocket. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to know uh, your backgrounds, just for context here, for the discussion of Last Jedi. So, um, of course, we have the Star Wars The Last Jedi that came out um, uh, in mid-December. And, uh, like I said before, it is making a ton of money. Um, but it's it's got its share of controversies uh, that have gotten people kind of uh, riled up. So... You know, uh, let's just sort of dive into it and talk about it. So, Ashley, um, overall impressions of The Last Jedi? I loved it. And I thought it was a really powerful, interesting film. And it's funny because I got on Reddit after I saw the movie. It's like, oh, I'm excited to see what people felt about this. And I was like, whoa, I was kind of blown back by the uh, some of the more <laughs> negative reactions, shall we say. It's like, oh, this is a little more polarizing than I, than I thought it was going to be. So it's been really fascinating to watch. I can't think of a movie since I started blogging about movies that has had this intense yet opposing viewpoints like people that really love this say it's the best since empire and people who hate it and say it's worse than the prequel so it's been just really fascinating to see the strong reactions on opposite sides of the fence on this one I don't know. I think I've seen something similar with Batman v Superman, even though there appears to be more weighted towards the hated it side. But there are people who think that that is like the greatest movie of all time. But that's a that's another podcast also. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet, what about you? 
I, I'm in love with it. I saw it that opening night. It shook me to my core, and I came out of it not... I was so shocked I couldn't even talk about it. I was just wide-eyed and couldn't comprehend what I had just seen. And then I, the more I thought about it over the holiday, I was just... I really, really, I'm okay with it. Slowly internalizing, being okay with everything that happened. And then I saw it again just the other day. And it was even better the second time. Awesome. Yeah, I, I it's, it's interesting that you talked about being blown away and not being able to talk about it, because that's exactly how I felt, too. And it's it's a very dense movie. And it's something where it's like, as you're watching, there's so much going on, you know, and there's and there's multiple levels that things are going on. And there's so much where they appear to be going one way and then they go another way in it. And and I know that that's led to some of the things that people didn't like. And I don't think it was a perfect movie myself, but I love it anytime that a movie pulls the rug out from under you and tells you, like, no, what you expected, you know, that's not what's happening at all. So uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, the movie. I really enjoyed the experience of seeing the movie. And, you know, I like the fact that it's, it you know, unlike... Force Awakens, because I mean the big, you know, the, the the biggest negative about the Force Awakens is we've seen this story before, right? It's a well done version of it, but you know, a lot of the Force Awakens was the same beats from A New Hope, uh, so it was very nice to see a a completely different tangent done. Although the thing that did make me laugh is that they had to point out very specifically and very obviously, you know, when it looks like uh, Crate is another ice planet like Hoth, it's like, oh, it's salt. Right, it's not ice, it's salt, you know, just so that they point out that it's not quite the same thing. But anyway. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean like a lot of people are really upset about Luke and about Luke, you know, sort of running away from everything. I didn't have a problem with it because even though, yes, it's different from the old EU. And like I've said before, I love Luke. I love Mara Jade. I love, you know, the, the, the stuff that they did with Luke in the old EU. The fact of the matter is going at it from the direction they went with this movie. I, I totally get why he would have done. That. I mean, you know, one of the most brilliant scenes, one of the most brilliant things that they did with this is the scene that you see from two points of view. You know, with Luke and Kylo Ren both oh, yes. flashing back. And the idea of, you, you know, even though as an audience, because we're connected with Luke, we're more likely to believe his version of things. We still don't know exactly what happened that night, you know. So the idea that Luke succumbed to sort of like the dark urgings to kill this kid, his own nephew, even if only for an instant, even if it was just a fraction of a second, like he said in his version, either way, that's awful. That is horrible, you know? And then just basically being like, I, I can't do this because of what I almost did. And I, I can see that reaction. Yeah. I really appreciated that they were willing to take some dark and risky choices because when I heard that Disney was going to cut the EU, my hope is that, okay, you know, for better or worse, if they're going to get rid of it, then they need to do something different. Mm -hmm. I don't want, like, EU light or, oh, let's just basically do the Expanding Universe story but not do it. If you're going to jettison that canon, then do something different. So I love that they took Luke in a complete 180. This is a different version of him that I thought it was still believable. I could see how he could go down this path, even though it's sort of the darker version of the timeline. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with it, especially 
Well, okay, I wasn't okay with what happened to him by the end. Right. But the, the dark turn that we took with him, it it felt believable, if only because, you know, it was watching somebody fall down to this horrible pit of depression and pulling away from everyone and everything, saying the world would be better without me. And that's really believable, even for Luke, because the world can't rest on one man's shoulders without him breaking at some point. So, uh, and then, of course, the other controversy at least the other one that i'm hearing a lot about is a lot of people didn't like um the casino the name is escaping me at the moment canto uh, bite yes canto, canto bite thank bite. you Something yes like that. yeah i i have to say the one thing that i had a problem with with that was that you know ryan johnson was like oh well there was absolutely no place for lando in this movie there was just no way we could fit him in i'm i'm watching that scene and i'm like you know this would have been a really good place to stick Lando in, you know. I mean, he could be in the back somewhere drinking a Colt 45, you know. <laughs> it was a real perfect. brief cameo, even if he doesn't have any dialogue, even if he just, like, winks or something. Right. It would have Ex- been fun. Right, exactly. And so I don't get how he could say that uh, there was absolutely no place for Lando in the movie. But that aside, and it's fine. I mean, if, if, if they stick Lando into Episode Nine and give him, like, a real meaty role, you know, it, it'll all be fine but i did think that, that was sort of weird but but yeah so so the canto bite thing and a lot of people are saying that it didn't have it didn't add anything to the story it, it was useless pointless because what they went to do ended up not mattering and so um juliet how did you feel about that i kind of liked the little side trip over there it gave us more story with Rose and Finn and I got to learn more about her and her background especially why she hates that place so much and places like that mm-hmm. how she grew up and even her fascination with the you know the creatures as they're running and she's telling Finn you got to look closer but it it gives us that little bit of moment into other people's lives both the high society and the stable kids I I don't know I kind of dug it I don't know why maybe and it did maybe feel a little slightly out of place but i mean there are scenes in the original star wars that feel slightly out of place ashley what about you i'm glad to meet another person who also did not mind the casino scene because um i didn't mind it either i would say out of the three kind of plot lines um with like luke ray and kylo and then poe and leia Uh, The casino was my least favorite, but I thought it still served a purpose in that it really spoke to the film's theme of failure, which is kind of an interesting, unconventional theme for a big-budget blockbuster in that you have the characters going on this mission that ultimately they fail at it. And I thought the movie really delved into that concept that sometimes people, they do fail. You may try your best and you may try to do the right thing, but it doesn't work out. So I thought that was just real interesting that they were able to have bring out some interesting character moments, but that this did kind of tie into the theme of failure that sometimes in life things aren't going to go exactly as you want it to do. So I thought that was really interesting. That was kind of my takeaway from it. Right, and that's one of the things that I was talking about with how I liked how this movie set things up and then went a different way. Because that's one of the things I complain about a lot with action movies is that everything always goes perfectly in action movies. Yes. Or the few times there's a mistake, then at the last minute they're somehow able to like pull it off and it go- the original plan does eventually succeed even if there was like a hiccup in the middle or whatever. And in this it was kind of like, 
no. <laughs> you know, in fact, this plan doesn't succeed at all. And in fact, if if they had just waited, the uh, commander there had a, pl- a separate plan that was, you know, completely, you know, opposite of what they were even trying to do. So, uh, you know, I, I liked that. I liked the whole... I, though the one thing I will say about Canto Bite is that I felt tonally... It was very, it was much more lighthearted, kind of goofy, and more prequelish in its tone. You know, I mean, I did not need BB-8 with a uh, casino coin, you know, Gatling gun. Um, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's like, all right, there might have been one stupid alien trying to stick coins in him, but really, like, five million coins? Really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't, eh. but, you know, that aside... And that is one of the things that I think is one of the one of the one of the few things I had to say about the movie was that I felt tonally it was kind of all over the map. Um, but uh, you know that aside, I liked what they were trying to do with it, and I think character building, uh, which I think Juliet was talking about, was a key part of that because even though the mission that they were going on was unsuccessful, we get a lot of. Finn and Rose and their characters kind of come out as part of that journey. So I don't think that it was a wasted period of time for the movie at all. I also like the fact that we got the Slicer, who you think is going to be like a Lando-type character. You know, he's going to be redeemable at the end, and at then he's not. Completely not. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't the scumbag just sell you out? I mean, that's what he does. And, it's, and you know, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be like a lot of movies, like the scumbag pretends to sell you out, but then he's got like a backup plan, so just as you think, like, oh, he's walking away with the money, but then, you know, he's going to do some new thing that, that gets him out of it. It's like, nope, he just walks away, you know? That's that's it. <laughs> he, he owes them nothing, you know. So I, I enjoyed that a lot too. That was another one of those expectations that was just like, yes, I, I like this because it is so different than what we've seen in the past. So uh, let's talk about Ray and Finn. I'm not, not Ray and Finn. Ray and Kylo. Jeez, brain. Um, <laughs> and uh, the storyline there. Um, they both had a lot of interesting stuff going on, but then there was this whole connection between them that I was not expecting. Um, there was the one scene from the previews where she said something about, like, I just need someone to help me find my place in this. You know, it seemed like they had played a game with the cuts and the edits to, to make it look like she was saying that to, to Kyla, which she wasn't. You know, that, that part was right. But then the hands, you know, the clasping of the hands, I was like, that's not Kylo and Ray. That's two other people. They're just playing with us. So, <laughs> so um... You know, uh, there was there was a there that was a fairly interesting part of it, and then of course getting up to Snoke's throne room, uh, kind of evoking uh, bits of Return of the Jedi, and so I was just curious did 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 either of you see that coming? I I didn't. I had wondered if um, I some of my theories, which none of them really came true, but that Kylo might end up going to the light and Ray might end up going to the dark. Of course, eventually they didn't, but I liked how they kind of played with that. And I really loved their uh, force connection, their little for, force Skypes is the kind of best way <laughs> I've heard it referred to. I so. like that, yeah. Um, 
just really interesting that it's kind of outside their control and how they kind of develop a new understanding for each other. And I thought that was a really kind of unusual, interesting connection. And then just, oh my gosh, that fight in the throne room is one of, it ranks among some of my favorite things I've seen in Star Wars. Like when Kylo just starts to turn the lightsaber, it's like, oh my gosh, he's, he's just going to kill Snoke. And then of course, you, that you see them team up and that was just a great I think choreographed uh, fight scene so I really liked how they made the connection between the characters and I'm looking forward to seeing this built upon in episode 9 because I think anytime you can have some sort of emotional or connection between your hero and your villain makes it so much more interesting that there's this continued push and pull I think Ray is kind of continue to be pulled towards the dark a little bit and Kylo is still obviously still feeling some pull towards the light. So I think there's a lot of interesting material that we'll see and hopefully we'll capitalize on in episode nine. Do you think he's still feeling it after he kills Snoke? Because you know, we never see him hesitate after that. I mean he's he's crazy. You know, he's uh you know, I mean he's he's uh what's the word? He's he's uh you know almost like spastic. Um but he doesn't seem to have any more hesitation. I I kind of got the impression that, you know, after you know luring Ray in to basically be his you know his his uh you know his um diversion you know, so that he could murder Snoke and take his place. That that's Ray. F- or uh, pff, man, my I'm just getting all the names wrong today. Uh, that is kind of um, Kylo. Uh, you know, finally deciding who he is and taking a a firm path. Um, you know, to to the dark side. Um, uh, what do you think about that, Julia? Um, I actually want to mention that I don't even think he was luring her in to be his little path to Snoke. I don't even think he, he realized maybe what she was going to do. Um, But for the record, I was also not expecting the Snoke thing at all until the lightsaber started turning and then I was all gasping in the theater seat. Right. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's really just interesting for me to watch this character, this Vader-type character who has aspired to be Darth Vader, Mm -hmm. basically just cut down the equivalent of the Emperor. And now he's going to just run with this, but he wants to remake this in his own image. You can see that he doesn't care about the Jedi or the Sith or the Knights of Ren that we've never heard about again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where are they? (laughs) but, But he seems to really want to just create something new. I just don't think that he... I think he's I think he's balanced too far toward the dark to be able to create something even in the gray. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I want to get back to that later because I think there are some interesting themes in the movie that um, I'm kind of conflicted about. But but yeah, I mean, first of all, I think that they've played some interesting games in this movie with the sort of connections between characters because, you know, in, in Force Awakens it was pretty much, okay, Finn and Rey are sort of the canon pairing. Right, you know, I mean, they're, they're you know, gonna get together at some point and that's, like, how this is kind of gonna go. And then this movie had me thinking, are they really setting up a Kylo and Rey romance? Because that's almost how it felt through their little connections and her seeing shirtless Kylo and getting a little, like, you know, oh, maybe she should put on a shirt, you know. 
kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a little uncomfortable there, you know. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, it starts out with Finn being very much like, where's Ray? I got to get to Ray. But then, you know, the whole thing with Rose develops too, you know, which again, I'm glad that they're kind of mixing things up and they're not making it so easy and obvious and, you know, uh, you know, where people's hearts, you know, go and, and you know, stuff like that. So um, without making it melodramatic and, and you know, soap opera either. So uh, I kind of like that aspect of it. But yeah, I, 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 I was thinking... There was all sorts of things I was thinking because I before I saw the movie I knew that there was a bad fan reaction but I didn't read any of it you know I just saw or heard and I was like oh my god are they gonna turn like Luke into a a, a Sith Lord or something like I'm trying to think of what's you know what's something so awful that the internet would just erupt in outrage and then when I saw what it was I was just kind of like oh ah. <laughs> that's nothing <laughs> that's but, <it. laughs> right but you know I was I was thinking like you know. Uh, what you know who's going to change allegiances you know how is this going to change and you know i'm thinking it looks like you know ray and kylo are getting close so i'm thinking whatever way they go it's going to be together and then to have you know the whole fight happen in the throne room and, and kylo i think was genuine when he offered ray to stand with him you know i i think that there was a connection there that he actually enjoyed um but uh, and, you know, her rejection is probably also part of why he kind of has gone crazy because uh, he's kind of standing on his own. But, um, you know, I, I liked all of that. And I think that it was a really cool way of going with it. Um, and, and just to see, like, what does Kylo do after this? Because, like you said, he wants to destroy all of that, you know, the Sith and the Jedi, you know, so he wants to do his own thing. But at the same time, it seems like he's just a whiny kid that wants to be respected, you know. And in my mind, is far more intimidating than the version they went with with Anakin in the prequels, uh, which was almost sort of like a half-hearted descent into darkness. Like, I'm doing bad things, but it's just because I love Padme and I think this is going to save her. You know, in this case, it's like, no, he's just doing this because he wants to do it. He wants the power and he wants to be able to sort of remake the galaxy, you know, his way. So I like that. Also, something interesting I was just thinking about, thinking about the balance and everything. Have you noticed that, like, with Luke, he wore, when we first see him and later on, he's wearing his, like, lighter cream-colored Jedi robes. Then at one point, he swaps to his black robes. And Rey, on the other hand, is gray the entire movie. She is the balance between those. Yeah, they talked a lot about balance in this, and Snoke even implied that the, you know, that the fact that Kylo even existed meant that there needed to be someone to counterbalance him. And that almost makes me wonder, is episode 9 going to end with Rey and Kylo killing each other? Because that's, like, the only way to save the galaxy, is to make sure that no one else has this kind of power anymore. So that way you don't have, like, a powerful evil person that you need a powerful good person to stop. It's just, like, get rid of all the people, you know, who know how to manipulate the Force. I don't think we're going to go that way, especially with, not with the kid at the very end of the movie that we saw. Oh, true. That's true. Because, yeah, he was levitating rocks, wasn't he? <laughs> Uh, a broom or something. A broom, that's right, yes, yes. No, that's a good point. It was something that I was wondering, because, I mean, that whole idea of balance, because then that means there's always going to be bad, you know, you can't build up the Jedi without building up 
you know, evil people as well. And it's it's kind of a, a difficult thing to get around with that sort of theme uh, in the in the series. Something I do really want to see, though, I like that they brought up the balance and kind of the idea of the gray Jedi, which is dipping back into the expanded universe a little bit again. But I will almost kind of be disappointed in the next one if Rey sets up a traditional Jedi order. I would like to see her, I don't know what this would look at, look like, but go beyond that. Like, I don't want to see them reinstate some of the old Jedi Order rules and kind of bureaucracy. I want to see her find something beyond that. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I really hope they will kind of use this opportunity to take it into a new direction and kind of delve more into that gray, This the finding of the balance. I kind of hope that the, their choice of color for her costuming in this movie hints, is hinting at that. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's one of the themes that I think that they were playing with in this movie was that they were, you know, they were talking a lot about burying the past, you know, and I mean, it was Kylo who was saying it, but even Luke was saying the Jedi were worthless. You know, I mean, what they did was completely wrong. You know, they were inept. They they let the the Sith like rise up right in the middle of them at the height of their powers. You know, this is this is not. They were not good, and so I think that that is. I, I would be very surprised if. Um, Ray just reinstitutes the same old uh, because of that. Because I think that that they're definitely pointing at the fact that this is going to be different. Whatever comes out after this is going to be a different way of doing things on both sides. And I think you know we we alluded to the Knights of Ren. If if we're, they're not going to do the you know they kill each other route, I think that next movie we'll see Ray with some other people that she's training and it's going to be them versus kylo and his knights of ren because luke said that kylo led some of his students with him that they left together and they killed the students who wouldn't go with him so i think those are the knights of ren uh are the students who followed kylo out so i think that we might actually get the thing that i've always wanted which is to see more than just one Jedi, one Sith. You know, we saw multiple Jedi in Attack of the Clones, but they weren't fighting other Force sensitives. You know, they were. They were. You know, I've always wanted to see like a big Force sensitive fight of multiple people on each side. Uh, so I think that would be really exciting if they can pull that off. Especially since we haven't really seen Kylo and Rey have a full on duel either. We had in the Force Awakens, but she was untrained and he was injured. So, like you said, I would love to see them actually be able to meet fully trained in combat with other Force users. On on the other side i think that would be a great finale to the next movie so i guess uh jj abrams disney take note we, that's what we'd like to see but who knows what they're gonna do <laughs> right okay oh so oh, so another thing that people have a lot of issues with um ray's parentage um I, I had no I, I I didn't mind the fact that they said that it was nobody and that they weren't important. Um, I know a lot of people kind of are upset about. The only thing where I think it's kind of a problem is that Maz in the Force Awakens was like, "This lightsaber is your birthright," which hinted at her having some deeper connection to the Skywalker clan than you know what you know, than just being a, you know, nobody. Um, so, but what do you guys think about that? Well, I will point out, she does have a deeper connection to the Skywalker clan. However, it's through her and not through her parents. She was born and perhaps, you know, whether or not they feel like destiny plays a for, uh, plays any part in all of it. She is connected to Ben Solo, whether she likes it or not. So she does have that connection. Um, 
but I love the fact that her parents were nobodies. In fact, I was raging against every fan theory going, no, she can't be related to the Skywalkers. She can't be Obi-Wan's secret granddaughter. <laughs> you know, it got to a point where I just kept telling everyone that she's Mace Windu's granddaughter because I just like to see people's heads explode. And actually, if she was going to end up being related to somebody that was established already, I would prefer that to anyone else because I think that would be kind of cool. <laughs> You know, give give that. her a purple like, okay. lightsaber. Practicing <laughs> all nobodies is great, though, because it proves a point, the fact that, and this is one of the things that the Jedi were very good at. They didn't want Jedi to marry simply for attachment, but it proved that you can't breed Jedi genes. The Skywalker line is very, very special, and it's weird and destined and everything. But otherwise, the Force, the p- connection that people have to the Force is just just shows up. And nobody knows where it's going to show up. And the fact that it shows up so strongly in Ray, who is, her parents were no one. And I'm sure their parents were no one. But I love that. It just shows that anybody can have that connection, whether it's a tiny little bit movement of a broom or Ray's ability to be all badass. Yeah, I didn't like the idea. Because, I mean, it's the same thing that people are like, oh, maybe Finn's, uh, like, Lando's kid. Or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the the X-Wing pilot that uh, in, in uh, Force Awakens, whose name escapes me, is he's a Porkins, you know, because he's kind of overweight. And, you know, it's kind of like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> you know? But, um, but what about you, Ashley? Well, interestingly, when in the movie, when she reveals that she's a nobody which of course she really isn't a nobody but that she doesn't come from a legacy i was disappointed for like 30 seconds and then as i thought about it i realized actually this is perfect because i know i and so many other fans have spent so long theorizing that i think even if they had picked a legacy it might have felt forced or disappointing if the legacy you picked like if you thought she was luke's daughter and she wasn't you would have been disappointed so i like that she really is just the seemingly ordinary person who the Force has picked to rise up to be the balance to the darkness. And it's kind of what you were saying, that it goes back to show that anybody can be a hero. Anybody can be a Jedi. You don't have to come from this powerful legacy. And we've already seen it from Kylo, like even being a legacy, like he's a Skywalker and a Solo. It's like basically you know star wars royalty and it hasn't worked out so great from for him so i kind of like the idea that you have this fallen legacy versus this um somebody from kind of a nondescript background who has risen up to become a hero so i think that it was the perfect plot twist and I've, I've heard some people theorizing oh wait maybe kylo was lying to her she could be from somebody but i really hope they stick with that and that she's just kind of an ordinary person who has risen up to become a hero well you know though i mean i i you know the the part, the part where she goes into the part of the island that's uh, strong in the dark side you know it wasn't the most straightforward scene in the world you know it's certainly not as straightforward as luke when he goes into the part of dagobah that's strong with the dark side and faces darth vader only to see that it has his face you know i mean the symbolism there is is very you know (laughs) it's very easy to see um but uh i I think that that's kind of what it was trying to tell her because all that she saw was reflections of herself and she said show me my parents 
And I was afraid they were going to go with the whole the midichlorians made her thing, like with uh, Anakin. And I was about to like really like go like no, you know. But <laughs> I, I appreciated the whole idea of no. It just means that you know your parents aren't part of this story. They're not important to the greater narrative. You know, you are who you are. You know, I mean, you you made yourself. You know, this person, and and so I think I think all these these theories about oh maybe she really is obi-wan's granddaughter and this and that i i i don't see them going that way i think that they were basically telling us you know guys you you spent too much time thinking about this because she is not part of any kind of legacy i mean did you guys have any other thoughts about that dark side scene because that's the only thing i could come up with for it that's kind of how i felt i like that it was kind of ambiguous and um I've heard someone say that the dark side caves show you like your greatest fear. So like Luke saw himself becoming Vader or being tied to Vader. And she saw that um, her legacy didn't really mean anything like her parents were irrelevant. So I think that was something that really shook her because she wanted to be somebody. She wanted to be something. And then the cave to show her it's you, it's what you make of yourself. So I kind of like that they left it ambiguous, but I think exactly what you said is the theme that they wanted us to draw from that. I think you just summed it up perfectly. I also like the fact that she very carefully went in there on her own and came back out without a problem. You know, she's she's not necessarily drawn to it, but knows that it could give her possibly some answers. I, I, I like that, too. I mean, there, there were, you know, in the movie theater, though, and again, this this speaks to the way the movie was made. It unsettled me because it goes straight from her being in there to her talking to Kylo. And I was worried for a while that they were going to pull uh, everything that's happened from that point onward was really a dark side vision. And we were going to get wrenched back to her still being in the cave or something. And I'm so glad they did didn't go that way but it did leave me uneasy in the movie theater for a while thinking that maybe you know what we're seeing isn't actually happening um but again that speaks to how well this movie was made that it could have that kind of reaction um from me that i was kind of unsettled for part of the movie um so we have leia's arc also um to talk about um she oh and this and this speaks into another thing that i've heard people complaining about (laughs) so you know we've got the scene where leia's on the bridge and you know they take fire and there's the explosive decompression and she's thrown out into space and i am shocked at the number of complaints that i have heard about her being able to pull herself back into the ship and i'm like what part of our family is strong with the force. Did you not get from the first three movies? I mean, yeah, seriously, we don't see her training, but that doesn't mean that she hasn't done any training in the last 30 years. You know? So, you know, that's, that's the thing. Cause like every time somebody brings that up, it's like, well, they didn't show her training. I'm like, there was 30 years between return of the Jedi and the force awakens. You don't need to see it because you could just assume that it happened. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't think it was that, you know, uh, uh, you know, difficult, um, to, to sort of assume that she had done some training and knew how to use the force. And some people complain, well, she was out there too long. She should already be dead. But I'm like, yeah, but that's also a cinematic thing, right? Like we don't know how much time really passed, 
you know, that's one of those things where a lot of times in shows they'll show one scene and drag it out, you know, really only a second actually passed, but, you know, it, it appears that more time was passing because of how they're showing it, so I, I had no problems with any of that. I was okay with it, too. I, I had actually already braced myself for the possible Leia death mm-hmm. in the movie, and I thought that was it, and we get to the scene where we see her just in space, covered in ice, and I'm just about tears rolling down my face and her fingers moving i'm like oh she's wrapped in a force cocoon she put herself into a jedi hibernation trance and i think if if i understand right uh that some of the new canon uh books actually go into the fact that she did it did immediately start training with luke after the events of jedi um so she did get plenty of training in the force enough to be able to slow her you know slow her functions, survive, and put this weird little force bubble around her that could get her back to the ship. I thought it was perfectly believable considering some of the things we've seen other Jedis do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen people shoot lightning out of their fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to believe that this woman can manage to survive in space. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, they, they can levitate. We've seen that, so moving oneself through space it's, should be easier because there's no gravity. You know, so how about you, Ashley? I I didn't have a problem with the scene itself either. I kind of wish they had maybe filmed it just a little bit differently. Like I wasn't as huge a fan of how they showed her flying through space, but the fact that she pulled herself to the bridge through the force, I had no problem with just because we've already seen how powerful the Skywalker bloodline is. So to me, makes perfect sense that she would use the force, but maybe in her role as a general and not a Jedi, she wouldn't have showed it off as much. So people might have been a little surprised to see her use it but to me it makes perfect sense that she would be able to tap into those force powers so i had no problem with that part yeah like juliet i was waiting for the drop i was waiting for they're killing her they're gonna kill her because they they know they can't have her for episode nine so even if that wasn't part of the original plan they're just gonna do it you know and uh and and sort of you know make make the cut right there and um you know, I was kind of happy, pleasantly surprised to see that she survived through the whole movie. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what do you guys think? Because, I mean, I mean, obviously, if the scenes were already all filmed, it would have been kind of hard to get her out of the movie. Because, I mean, you have to have the scene between her and Luke. And the only other place for her to have died would have been like, oh, as we're leaving the cave, we can CG a rock fall or something, which would have felt really <laughs> stupid. You know? <laughs> Just out in the middle of, you know, them coming out of the cave. So, um but, uh, you know, in a way, I kind of like the idea of just leaving Leia hanging, you know, because it says that her story doesn't end. And in fact, in episode nine, if there's any way for them to get around it, I don't want them to be like, well, you know, Leia died yesterday or something like that. I, I would like to just kind of leave it as, you know, she's somewhere else and her story will continue and whatever books and comics can deal with her, you know, in the future. Same here. Like maybe if there's a place for her to retire as Poe kind of takes on more of a leadership role. And even though it is, you know, so sad that Carrie Fisher will not be able to come back for episode nine, I'd heard they had an even bigger role planned for her. And Mm. it's so sad that we'll now never get to learn what that is, but I'm glad they did not kill her off in this one that they let her have 
a big part, and I think it would have taken away from Luke's character moment, too, if they'd had Leia die suddenly at the end as well. So I don't know how they'll wrap it up, but I'm glad that they let her have this film and didn't just try to cut her out earlier, just kill her in the bridge scene in the space. So it was so good to see Carrie Fisher again, and nice to see Leia growing as a character from a princess to now a general. So I'm I'm glad they did what they did with her and again just such a shame that we won't get to see her in episode nine agreed i I think it'll be good if they can somehow just like let general organa retire quietly you know as the rebellion rises up around the new leaders that she's been working so hard to train like poe yeah i i you know, it's kind of funny. It doesn't really have anything to do with Leia herself, but I also like the idea of the the scene where, you know, there's the distress call of, you know, we need your help, Galaxy. Come save us. You know, somebody, anywhere. And that no one comes. I mean, Luke comes, but it's not from that distress call. And I, I kind of like the idea of they have to save themselves. They've got to figure it out for themselves. Luke just kind of gives them a little bit of time, you know, to, to work it out for themselves. And that's another thing that I kind of like is that, you know, again, it it goes to the the expectations not met that we've already talked about. But it also goes to the fact that, you know, you can't always expect somebody to come in and do it for you. You know, you've got to figure it out on your own. And and I kind of like that message that they uh, that they had in the movie. It kind of speaks back to that theme of failure again. You know, the galaxy and other their friends are out there have failed them. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, and they've got their own troubles to deal with. The First Order's marching everywhere. You know, even though we only see them chasing the rebels, the the opening crawl tells you they're they're all over the place. So they have friends, but their friends are also dealing with stuff. So they can't drop everything and come in and save them. So um, that's that's you know, it's 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 a difficult situation. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about Luke a little bit with the whole becoming a hermit thing and, and sort of retreating. Some people have, comp- you know, even though I didn't have a problem with it, I do sort of take issues with the, um, you know, people saying, well, it's no different than what Obi-Wan did. Because while Obi-Wan did sort of retreat from uh, the galaxy at large, um, he had a plan. I mean, that's why he was there on Tatooine with Luke, was the idea that as Luke came of age, you know, he was going to try and, and keep push Luke to be, you know, a a new Jedi Knight. Um, So I don't think it was quite the same situation. It was much more like Yoda, who actually said in episode three, I'm into exile, I must go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but then we have Luke's story, and again, another group of scenes that had me wondering all kinds of stuff, (laughs) you know, uh, at the end there when he shows up on Crate. Um, Because my first question, which I then promptly forgot, was... How did he get in there? You know, after they had already said there's only the one way in and out. And, you know, of course, that goes to them saying, like, oh, there must be another way in, which is kind of funny once you find out that he's really just a projection. But, um, you know, I mean, I thought he was physically there in the beginning. And I thought it was going to be basically the Obi-Wan moment of, you know, he's going to face Ren and Ren's going to kill him. And, you know, I was expecting that. And I loved all the stuff with Ren overreacting and trying to kill him and nothing was happening. Of course, I just thought that Luke levitated out of the way. 
the first time that you know when I saw it, I, I was that's what I was thinking happened. But then the duel where Luke's not doing anything, and I'm like, yeah, he's just buying time. He's waiting for him to kill him. And then they fooled me when it was like, oh, it's just a projection, and he's like, see you around, kid. And I thought first, I thought they're gonna keep Luke. We're gonna have him in episode nine. I was so excited. I was like, because I was convinced he was gonna die in this movie. It was like, oh, we're gonna get him in episode nine. I'm so happy. And then they show him fade away. Yeah, it just breaks the heart. <laughs> I know. It's just like, no, no, he wasn't stabbed. It wasn't real. He doesn't have to die. <laughs> and of course, I obviously don't know what they're planning for episode nine, but there's a part of me that would have really loved to have Luke you know still there and, and and of course that would have been the that was the ultimate you know uh prank that he just pulled on ren is to think have him think you can kill me when really i'm not even on the same planet as you junior you know it's like <laughs> you don't know what you're doing you know? <laughs> yeah i really like that they kind of set it up like the whole obi-wan moment and then again like we've seen many times throughout this movie just turn that expectation on its head And I love that he was still able to get a victory, but he wasn't even there. It showed off a really amazing new force power you've never seen. And I kind of hope that in episode nine, they'll turn it on its head again, that Luke will come back as a force ghost. But instead of training Ray, I'd really like to see him continue to haunt Kylo. You know, Kylo can't get rid of him now. He's a force ghost. So I would like to see Luke continue to hound his nephew. I'm glad that would be really interesting. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Because he was saying, like, if you if you strike me in anger, you're never going to get rid of me. And I think yeah. that that's what he was that they were advertising was basically, yeah, he's he's going to be like this voice that that Ren can't get rid of, and will just be hounding him throughout the next movie. I actually came out of the theater after seeing that scene, and I felt broken because I, I like you, I'd gotten all excited, like he's not going to die. <laughs> I thought he was dead. He's not going to die. Oh my god, that's the that's the binary sunset music. That that's mm-hmm. not good. And then gone. And that was when I started bawling and I didn't know how if I was going to take that I didn't realize I'd actually become that attached to Luke Skywalker even though I'm a huge Mara Jade fan and all that I I love Luke (laughs) but I was much more attached to him than I realized Mm -hmm. but I do I also hope he comes back as a as a ghost the force ghost if only because in my mind I can I just want to see Luke just insulting Ben the entire time just following him around and the fact that nobody else except Ben can see him will make me so happy <laughs> oh uh, but man that that whole Luke you know then with the adats just firing down on him and I he steps back out and he just the single brush off the shoulder mm-hmm. and the moment that uh, he's all being matrixy right. dodging the lightsaber and just the I knew that something was off because when we saw him walk in, he didn't look right to me. And I realize now he looks younger like he did back whenever he was back when he and Ben initially parted ways. And he winks at 3PO. And I just thought that was like a camaraderie thing. And now I realize upon second watching, it's because 3PO knows he's not there. Hmm. And I think Luke is basically giving him a wink saying, yeah, it's okay. Just don't say anything. <laughs> that's a good way of reading that. No, that's uh, I, I like that. I And I didn't notice that he looked different either. I just thought it was weird that he showed up when they said there was only one way in and out. And But then, like I said, during, during the fight and everything, I forgot all about it until they were like, hey, how did you get in here? There must be another way in. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, uh, oh, man, they trolled us so hard. He trolled Ben so hard. I mean, he trolled Kyle. <laughs> So hard. 
It's it's fascinating to see the depths of Ben's hatred for Luke. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not just, you know, dislike or anything or, you know, he the, the conflict he had about his dad or his mom. That is pure and utter hatred that he has for Luke. Mm-hmm. The man, that I guess he feels betrayed him, although I'm kind of curious to know how far did Snoke already have him drawn into the dark side by the by that point when he and Luke had that confrontation? Yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna, I will say that for me, that is one thing where I think it did the movie did kind of fail us. Um just because we know absolutely nothing about Snoke. Um, and, and while with Rey, I was completely happy with her not having a parentage that was linked to a greater mythos, I really felt like there there needed to be some sort of an info dump about Snoke. Somehow worked into the story some way, you know, we, we needed some background there. Because it's like, how did this powerful guy, like, rise up? you know um and and basically be the next emperor you know and what was his interaction with you know everybody and how did he influence uh kylo when he was at luke's jedi academy and what was going on there i wanted more backstory there and i did feel like his death what was a great um you know uh, uh you know subversion of our expectations you know i i felt like that that was kind of missing that i felt like there was a gap there because i didn't i never got the the story there i am hoping that we will end up seeing some flashbacks in episode nine i don't think star wars has historically done a lot of flashbacks mm-hmm. but i think this new trilogy has has tried some different things in terms of cinematography and story structure so i would like to see them kind of delve back into that a little bit and show more exactly how kylo started going to the dark side and um how he came to have his falling out with luke so i my hope is that we're not that they'll be more of that story still to reveal yeah what about you juliet i'm really looking forward to finding out more about that either through the next movie or hopefully through books which like i said have mostly disappointed me (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing and that's what i was wondering is if they're going to relegate all of that to um you know the books or comics um but uh yeah i i did feel like that that was just a gap um my wife's big problem with snoke though was that he looks like hugh hefner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, I, I like, thought about that. <laughs> there should have been like you know like women in bunny costumes like all over his throne room and you know serving him like you know feeding him grapes you know because oh. <laughs> yeah that looked <laughs> with that robe on and everything it looked like you know he's space Hugh Hefner but you know whatever <laughs> I cannot unsee that now <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and, and so we have Poe, and we have his whole story, which which um, I think it's you, Ashley, that's been talking about one of the main themes being failure. And, you know, I mean, that's that kind of dogged Poe throughout the whole movie, because here he is trying to be the lone hero. And, you know, in the beginning we see him succeed, but then Leia brings up the whole fact of, you know, in a war of attrition, when you're like the rebellion that doesn't have many resources, succeeding at the cost of your entire like bomber fleet is still not a success because he they wasted all the, you know, all those lives and all those resources, you know, uh, just to take out one big ship. And that doesn't really 
get them anywhere. And um, I, again, I thought that was really fascinating because that's you never see that. It's always the flyboy jockey in the movie that's like, oh, yeah, I can do anything. It doesn't matter how many people die because it's like, oh, we won, you know. And it was nice for them to, like, kind of bring up there's there's a human toll here. You know, I mean, there's the, it, it's not just cut and dried of I met my objective. You know, it's it, there's there's more to you know, a battle than that. And, and I really liked that. I mean, the whole thing where they got to the point where he's like staging a coup, <laughs> you know what I mean? When he's committing mutiny, I, I thought like it went a little far, but, and I thought that they were very understanding, <laughs> you know, afterwards. Oh, but that moment when Leia bursts through the door and then whips up that gun. I know. I love that. Cause you know, you that think, Oh yeah, you think Leia's going to be like, no Poe, you know, you were right. I mean, she, she was crazy. You know, I mean, this is the way we need to go. And she she just shoots him. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> but um, I don't know. What do you guys think of uh, Poe's storyline in this? I really appreciated that they let him have kind of an unconventional story arc. Because like you said, he's the hot shot flyboy. We've seen his type before that always pulls out a victor at the last second. And I like that he kind of got wrapped into that failure narrative, too. Like, um he thought he knew what was going on, was doing the right thing, but he turned out to be off base. And I like that they had him do a mutiny. I, that's another thing I don't think we've seen in a Star Wars movie before, in that basically his mutiny and everything was a failure. Although I do kind of agree, it seemed like he got off just a little bit easy. So maybe, probably in real life, there would have been some more consequences for that. But I like that they were willing to kind of, again, show this is a character who meant well but failed and that there was real consequences. Real people died in the rebellion or resistance is in a tricky place now. I also like that it shows that Poe is growing as a character, but at that point he is very much not a leader. He's not somebody that can even be trusted because he might run off and do something crazy, which is probably why Vice Admiral Holdo never, ever disclosed to him what she was planning to do. Because what might he do? He might immediately decide that's not the right course and stage a mutiny right then, like he did. Yeah, that um, that's one of the complaints I'd heard about the film is that Haldo didn't tell him his plan. But at least for me, it made sense. Like, here's a guy that just switched off General Leia's commands during a battle and did his own thing. So she has no reason to believe that even if she does tell him the plan, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. You know, he, like you said, he could have mutinied right there. So um, he's kind of established himself as a loose cannon. So at least to me, it made sense why um, Haldo would keep that kind of close to the vest. And at least by the end, he's starting to realize the cost of human lives when he tells Finn and everybody to break off the attack because it's a suicide run and it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I felt like he had real character growth um, in this, and I, like I say, I, I like the fact that they brought that up because usually they, they don't have to, you know, they don't show that stuff in an action movie, but they, they're definitely they're definitely conscious of the fact that this is part of a saga and not a standalone movie um and that you know character growth needs to be part of the storyline because it it will get boring if we see these same characters being the same people over and over again i mean you even have uh if you go back to the original trilogy you look how different luke is between return of the jedi and a new hope you know, he, he's a very different character. So, uh, you know, you kind of need that to be part of the, the, the films. Um, 
and and you know one of the things is you know when people do say that uh, that uh, you know she should have the Haldo should have told him what was going on the thing is in the military they usually aren't in the habit of the generals telling the rank and file like by the way this is the plan this is the whole plan this is what we're trying to accomplish by the plan because there are things that they like to keep close to the vest because they don't want it getting out or they don't want people to react you know a certain way or whatnot so i didn't really think that that was that strange um you know because that's just part of the military but <laughs> anyway um then we have well let's talk about holdo um you know as a new character that came in with this movie um i i i didn't have the problem with her that a lot of people had which was that she should have told everybody everything that was going on um in fact i thought that there might have been a subplot from an early version of the script that was dropped because i got the impression that you know they were worried that somebody was leaking secrets to the empire but that never came up because um, i thought that that might come up as you know how are they able to track us through hyperspace well it's not technology it's actually somebody's telling them you know like who has a signal or something that they're sending out to the empire but that didn't happen um but uh i i just felt like she was kind of i don't know i didn't feel like she emoted very much <laughs> i didn't really care about her that much um i don't know i i just didn't really her character didn't really grab me uh but i wanted some other impressions of her i thought she was interesting i want to know more about her and i do know that one of the books i haven't read from the new canon does explore her and leia's uh, relationship and friendship in more depth bef before all of this happens but i mean to me she felt like a, a military commander who was actually a bit more understanding than she should have been <laughs> she told poe exactly what she thought of him and she was like you don't need to be a part of this and like you said in the military you take orders you don't get to question them especially whenever they're not immediately putting lives in danger because they weren't mm -hmm. um you do your you take your orders and you just you run with them she was doing exactly what she knew she needed to do it was probably a plan that you know she and leah had had as a backup just in case and i like the idea that maybe she thought that there had been a spy on board or something mm -hmm. yeah I, I you know it really comes off as even though poe did kind of get an education in this one and, and learned that it can't be all about him that that still though like between themselves leia and, and and holdo are both like but he's really really good so we got to give him like a like a chance you know we got to give him like a free ride on this one or whatever and it seemed like he had a little too easy but you know oh well. i like to think that they saw that he has the leadership qualities and that he might be the next leader that they that the rebellion not the resistance will need right what about you ashley what did you think of uh holdo kind of the same i definitely didn't dislike her i didn't have any problems with her she didn't grab me as much as some of the other characters the ones that had been introduced already in the force awakens i felt were stronger but um i, I would like to know a little bit more about her because like you said i it seems like there's more backstory there so um and then really loved that uh final scene with her the hyperspace ramming of snoke ship was just an amazing bit of cinematography and just the fact that it takes place in complete silence was just amazing. It was really interesting to watch that in the theater and to kind of see people's amazement and uh, uncomfortableness with like the fact that there is just silent. We're sitting here in silence. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with that. I like that scene. I liked that they had the silence and 
you know, even though I knew as soon as she was like, you know, we're turning around, I knew it was going to happen. I was like ramming speed, you know, <laughs> it was, it was really cool. And it was really, it was really neat how they did it with it being in hyperspace rather than just ramming the ship in like normal space, which is what I thought was going to happen. And, um, it was definitely something we've never seen before at least i don't know of a movie that's done something like that before so uh, well, you remember back in a new hope when han is telling luke that he can't rush the hyperspace calculations because it's not like dusting crops um and here we get to see what happens when you actually jump into a physical object right <laughs> yeah but uh yeah no that was really good and it was really good to show poe i think who, you know, was kind of skeptical about Holdo, you know, like, what her, you know, like, like what she was really made of, you know, and what she was willing to give up for the good of everybody. You know, it wasn't all about her. And so I think that was also part of, you know, his development. Um, and then we have Phasma, who is the Boba Fett, Boba Fett of this uh, series. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like she's really cool but we only see her for very brief instances you know? <laughs> um know, does everybody else get that impression from her that she's sort of the boba fett of the of the new trilogy nope okay <laughs> <laughs> okay i have reasoning behind that though i okay. i was really interested in her character from force awakens and i thought this is a really cool character and then they came out with the book oh. phasma and so I was I checked it up in the library. I read it and it it told me where she came from and how she got to the first first order. But it gave me nothing. So I was like, OK, so maybe this book couldn't actually be a good book and tell me anything because they're going to tell me this in the new movie. And then we have this movie and nothing. I feel cheated out of my life with that book and her character. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it, though, I mean, if you just had The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, you got absolutely nothing for Boba Fett, you know, as far as a backstory or his motivations. You just knew that everybody was terrified of him. He was intimidating enough that Vader was willing to deal, you know, uh, uh, you know, above board with him. <laughs> You know, Jabba, you know, thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. So it kind of gave the impression, you know, he's really awesome. But, you know, we didn't have the books or anything at that point. So that was all we had. And I kind of feel like Phasma is kind of like in that same thing. Because it's like she's she's interesting. She's cool. But they only like give us like little like, you know, here's five minutes of Phasma. You know? <laughs> and it's like it's done. You know, and uh, I was kind of disappointed by this one, too, because I was hoping that with her popularity in The Force Awakens, that they were going to give her a bigger role in this. And instead, we see the pissing match between uh, General Hux and Kylo Ren, but Phasma's only there to confront Finn once Finn's captured. And while I realize that that's the more important already established relationship, I would have liked Phasma to have been a bigger part of the story before that do we know if she's confirmed dead or not because her armor is pretty different from regular stormtrooper armor i'm wondering if she might come back in the next movie with like an eye patch and a horribly scarred face where her helmet had been opened oh i think it's almost certain i whenever someone falls to an ambiguous death you know i assume they're really alive in a movie because <laughs> right? it's like there wasn't like an explosion i mean she just kind of fell right into like the flames so i right. mean it's very likely she survived even if horribly burned or whatever so yeah i'm hoping for a bigger role for her in the next one 
Uh, we didn't really talk about General Hux, but I don't really think that we need to. Does anyone really feel like <laughs> he needs anything? Yeah. I kind of felt like it, th- th- he strikes me as being like really young and really immature for a general. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen between him and Kylo Ren in the next movie because Hux is not going to take this well. Yeah. No, I know. And it's like, you know, he he clearly sees himself as the successor to Snoke. And then it was kind of like, you know, Kylo's like, what is that? You know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, long live the new Supreme Leader, you know, kind of thing. So, um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I found their interactions amusing, but it still seems to me like, Hux is like a kid playing at being a general rather than being a real general. Yeah, to me, it's going to be really interesting because I don't think either Kylo or Hux are truly capable of holding the First Order together as leaders. So it's going to be real interesting to see how these two both fight amongst each other and then some of the people serving under them. Like, you got these two basically young and kind of inexperienced guys. Like, how much are the some of these first order generals really going to respect them and think they're worthy to be in power. So I think that's going to be real interesting too, to see if the first order kind of just accepts like, Oh, we've got Kylo and Hux in charge now that Snoke is gone. And I don't think Hux believes for a minute that Ray is the one who actually killed Snoke. So I think there's, there's going to be some shakeups. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing for either of them going forward. So a friend of mine recently said, that he hopes in the next movie, just to clear the slate, that Chewie takes R2 and 3PO into the sun or something, just so that we're done with all the established characters. I don't like that. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I wish you could see my expression right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of shock. My eyes are wide open. I, I mean, that, that was how I physically reacted when you just said that. Like, no, no, please, no. Just, just... <laughs> No. Yeah, see, I thought that 3PO and R2 were out of place in the prequels in Rogue One, but I am very happy to have them in these sequels um, because they were so important in the in the original trilogy, and I'm uh, you know I'm happy to see them as background characters. I mean, obviously they don't need to be front and center because we are dealing with the next generation. Um, you know, I, I've seen some memes talking about Chewie as like uh, Ray's like surrogate father, and I kind of like that idea. <laughs> You know, he's the one that takes her to school. He's the one that looks after her, you know. It's like, he's a real dad, you know. And I and I kind of like that. I think that that's sweet. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, I mean, so, oh, I guess before we talk about the next movie. So, for this movie, would you, I think I know this answer already, but just to, to have it out there, would you recommend it to other people? Ashley? Absolutely. You know, we've touched on some of the controversy and what I've been telling people is that I personally loved it, but don't let anybody sway you. Just go and see it for yourself. I've seen some people that have said like they hated it. Nobody go see in the theater. And it's like, please don't say that. Cause even if you didn't like it, there are people who are all over the board on this one. So don't definitely don't tell anybody not to go see it just because you didn't like it, but let people 
go see it, experience it for themselves. And then even if you didn't like it the first time, I recommend give it a second chance. I actually liked it even more the second time I saw it because I was able to kind of get my expectations and I knew it was going to happen. So um, I would definitely recommend it. Give it a second chance. And um, I'm excited to see where it goes in the future. Yeah, I mean, with it making already a billion dollars, I don't think that it's going to hurt if anyone is told not to uh, see the movie. But definitely, I agree with you that uh, <laughs> it doesn't help to tell other people not to see it. But anyway, uh, so Juliet, would you recommend this to other people? Oh, in a heartbeat. I mean, and when I came back out of it and I was uh, messaging friends that were had not been able to see it with me on opening night, they were like, how was it? And I'm like, you need to see it. I'm going to say it was awesome, but I can't even tell you my emotional reaction to it without possibly giving anything away. I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to taint anything. But I think that it's a, I think it's definitely a worthy addition to the saga itself. Yeah, for me, I put it up there with uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi. Um, I, I think those are the top three with this, you know, Last Jedi, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. They're they're all up there, and uh, I I would definitely say that anyone who, who likes Star Wars at all, I don't think it would be a good first movie for anyone. Uh, just because I think that you're not going to get the full enjoyment out of it unless you are already established with these characters, um, you know, at least through The Force Awakens. Um, but uh, it, I think that it's it's definitely a powerful addition for anyone who, um, you know, is already into Star Wars, and especially if you've been following it from uh, A New Hope onwards. Um, so... Looking at episode nine, we, we've each said, I think, a few things that we're, we're looking forward to for episode nine, but um, is there anything else that you want to mention, anything that you really want to see uh, in the ninth episode, or even something like a place you hope that they don't go? Uh, so, Juliet, why don't we start with you? Um, well, I've already mentioned Force Ghost Luke that I really want to see. <laughs> yes. And... Uh... I'm not sure if I. I'm not sure if I actually want to see Ray training other Jedi yet or not. Mm. I don't know if I'm ready. For, I don't even know if she's ready to be training or how far in the future we're at. I'm kind of curious to see if we're going to start right after, six months after, or ten years after. I. I'm just curious to see what they do with the timeline now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do hope that we continue to see three PO and R two uh, in the background. But as for plot points, I've got no clue. And that's the best part of this for me, is that I have no idea where they're actually going to take this. I have those few minor things I'd like to see, but there's nothing that I really don't want to see. I don't want to see a cheesy love story like we had with Anakin and Padme. (laughs) Um, I'm okay if if Rey and Kylo want to hook up or something, but let's do it in a way that's not all emo burning, you know, burning stare through eyebrows thing. (laughs) Well, or or even, I love you, but we're on opposite sides. Oh, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) But I think as long as it does the same thing that all of the movies have done for me, as long as it makes me like think about things about myself and makes mm-hmm. me feel I'll be happy with it. Okay. Ashley, how about you? I have to echo a lot of that. Um, I want to see Ray grow as a Jedi. I do not want to see her reestablish the Jedi order as we've seen it before. I really want them to kind of continue building on that theme of balance and the finding the gray between the dark and the light. Um, 
I would like to see them kind of continue to maintain that connection between Ray and Kylo. I think it shows that they still got that mind bridge thing going on, even though Snoke is dead. So I think that's really interesting. I would like to see them continue playing on that. Um, something that I've kind of heard around. I don't know if this, there's any way this can happen or not, but we've a long time in star Wars, we've seen the conflict between like the empire and the rebellion and the resistance versus the first order. Maybe it would be kind of interesting if some kind of outside threat entered the galaxy. So we saw kind of an unexpected broader conflict that might force some of these characters to work together. But overall, I'm just trying to keep my mind open. There's so many places they could take this and I'm just kind of looking forward to experiencing the ride. I love that. I have no idea what's going to happen with this movie. It's going to be surprising and exciting to see, and it feels like it's we're going to have to wait forever to see the next chapter, but um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, for me, I mean, I would have liked to have had, since we knew Carrie Fisher passed away, if they had just edited, you know, Luke fading away, you know, they could have just cut, like, those few seconds and uh, cut Ray saying, like, Luke's gone or, you know, whatever, and, you know, we could have Luke back, you know, for episode nine. I would have been cool with that, but since we can't have that. <laughs> I am, uh... You know, I mean, for me, the the one thing, like I said, I was a little bothered by the idea of balance, and, you know, I kind of got this worried idea of, oh, no, are they going to have it end with, like, Ray and Kylo having to kill each other so that they maintain balance by, you know, keeping all these cataclysms from happening by just getting rid of all the powerful Force users? But I hope they don't go there. Um, I, I, I don't like that idea, and I would like the next movie to set up Legacy and set up the idea of, even if you know no future movies we know uh, ryan johnson is going to make his own trilogy at some that takes place at some undisclosed you know point in time um but even if we never revisit these characters specifically leaving things open for like comics and novels and other things um you know to sort of springboard off of uh you know these movies and and carry the uh storyline forward in much the same way that the uh eu the old eu did um with the uh you know with the original trilogy so i would like to see you know i would like that you know the idea of the storylines being open and and you know leaving things for or leaving the space for more things to happen uh, in the galaxy. But beyond that, I don't really have a whole lot like you guys. Um, you know, I had a lot of expectations for Episode Eight. A lot of them were subverted, and I really enjoyed it. So um, I really don't know how this is going to go moving into Episode Nine. Other than that, I suspect that Force Ghost Luke is going to be a thing, and I suspect that he is going to haunt Kylo, and that's going to be glorious, and it's going to allow Mark Hamill to use that sort of comic uh, timing that he's got, which I think, you know, people who only know him from Star Wars don't realize that Mark Hamill's actually really funny. <laughs> so <laughs> it was nice to see him using some of that humor in this movie, too. So uh, I, I will be happy to see him trolling Kylo Ren in the next movie. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's it for me for Episode 9. Uh, Ashley, was there anything else that you wanted to say that we didn't get to? 
Um, nothing else to wrap up. Just uh, one quick thing. I'm really excited to see Ray hopefully make her own lightsaber. Mm. I'm excited to see what color she chooses. And I think it'd be really awesome to see return of the double-bladed lightsaber, but light side, because we've seen her whipping that staff around. She obviously has a talent for that. So even if it's not, a, I'd like to see the double-bladed lightsaber, but even if it's not that, I'm excited to see her kind of come into her own and take her a full step as a force user and build her own lightsaber. Perfect. Just saying yeah, purple. I would love that, yeah. especially building on the like the blue and red together make purple. So just that balance again. But I think that would be cool. Uh, Juliet, was there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't get to? I just want to point out, I was really happy about two very particular things in this new movie. Um, first, puppet Yoda, an actual puppet Yoda. Yes. Oh, that was beautiful. The entire sequence with Yoda and Luke was hilarious. Also, fantastic. When Ray's at, when Luke is explaining the Force to Ray, and she gets it entirely wrong, and then he has to go and explain it, he never once mentioned midi-chlorian. Yes. That made me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people have told me, like, oh, they're acknowledging the prequels, they're acknowledging the prequels, but here's, here's all the acknowledgement of the prequels that we've gotten from these two movies. In Episode 7, they mentioned that there was a clone army. Well... We know that anyway. They talked about Clone Wars in Episode 4, so, you know, that's not really acknowledging the prequels, you know, per se. That's just saying that there were, were clones in the past. And this one of, yeah, the, the extent of the acknowledgement of the prequels was mentioning Darth Sidious. Again, right. not really like a huge acknowledgement of things from the prequels. So, yes, I am glad if they just consigned midichlorians to the grave, you know, no no more mention of those. You know, it, it's a mystical energy field that surrounds us and binds the galaxy together. That's all we need. You know, we don't need midichlorians. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think Juliet and I were traumatized in exactly the same ways. It's. (laughs) I remember watching that movie and going like, "What? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense." (laughs) But anyway, yeah, it was so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway. This really isn't the prequel bashing episode. This is the episode eight episode. <laughs> all right. Anyway. So, all right. No, this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm glad that you guys were on. And I'm just sorry because we were actually supposed to have, in addition to Anthony, who had to drop off because of uh, connection issues, we were actually supposed to have one other person on the podcast with us today who just forgot. Um, so he's probably never going to be on again. No, I'm joking, Denton. I'm joking, Denton. It's, it's okay. But anyway. <laughs> All right, so um, Ashley, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Oh, well, uh, first off, just thank you so much. It's been a blast talking with both of you. I'm always excited for a chance to talk about Star Wars. And um, you can find me also chatting about movies over on the Earth Station One podcast. And I post movie reviews and other uh, film entertainment content on the ESO website as well. All right, awesome. And Juliet, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, I've had a great time. This has been a fun podcast to talk about and loving Star Wars geekiness with you two. Um, but yeah, I'm, you can find me on Twitter as uh, the visible elf with an underscore between the words. Or if you want to look me up through our uh, nonprofit organization, it's savingthrowfoundation.org. I love the name of that foundation. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You should see my pic- my picture underneath our board page on that one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, 
definitely, uh, I'm taking it you're a D&D gamer. No, I don't know why no? you even think that. No? <laughs> <laughs> when I get around to doing some gaming podcasts, I'll probably need to have you on. Sounds good. All right. But yeah, uh, Ashley, Juliet, thank you so much for being on this episode. It was a ton of fun and definitely want to have you uh, back on the show um, next time you guys see a topic that you're interested in. Well, thank you again. Thank you. And that's it for our Star Wars The Last Jedi podcast. Of course, there are going to be many more Star Wars podcasts to come, not only for The Rise of Skywalker, but probably for The Mandalorian and covering the older Star Wars movies as well. And now that the release schedule is back on track, that's way more likely to happen because we're going to record a lot more episodes to fill in all the time for all these different weeks that we're releasing episodes. So, um, but yeah, we'd like to hear from you, uh, as always, uh, email us at everything at 42cast.com, drop us a message on the website at 42cast.com, tweet to us at at 42cast, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can leave us a review on Stitcher Radio or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's calling itself now. It's the thing that used to be iTunes. Uh, I know, especially with iTunes, getting those reviews on there helps promote the show, so Again, if you listen to the 42 cast semi-regularly or regularly, uh, please give us, you know, a rating, uh, write about us so that you can help other people find the 42 cast. So that will help to promote the show. I also want to mention the ESO Patreon. That is a way that you can contribute money that supports all of the podcasts on the Earth Station One network or the ESO network, I should say. Director Faber, don't get mad at me. (laughs) Branding's important, folks. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it's not just the 42 casts. It shows, like, uh, ESO podcast, uh, the Earth Station Who podcast, the Earth Station DCU podcast, Watchathon of Rassilon, Nerd Bliss, basically all those podcasts that you hear promos for on this show, those all get supported from that. So it's a way to help us all uh, keep our podcast going. So, and you get access to exclusive episodes uh, from doing that. And I am definitely over the holidays going to get at least one more episode up there. So um, you'll get some 42 cast episodes that are there that you can only find there. So that's pretty exciting, right? <laughs> but other than that, don't have much to report. Uh, just going to try and get the podcast out in as timely a manner as I can. So that wraps things up for this week. Join us back next week when William Shatner will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.